the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. Thanks for tuning in. We have made it to Friday again. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life. All you need to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And remember, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen and you'll be connected directly to the studio producer. Well, as always, Friday kicks off a busy weekend for us. Tonight, I'm going to be teaching Heaven Part 2 out of Revelation chapter 21. Uh, We'll be doing that tonight at 7 o'clock. You can watch it live stream at calvaryessay.com if you can't join us. Um, Then, of course, I'm going to be continuing in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, this Sunday, I get to talk about the Transfiguration. An amazing thing. Hey, before I get into some questions that have been sent in, I want to read something that uh, was sent in by a friend of mine. Um, and, And the reason it's interesting to me is because it's John Stott. John R.W. Stott is one of my favorite commentators. He's now with Jesus. But um, um, he, he wrote this in 1982. And I want you to listen to this. It says, In his book, Between Two Worlds, after using only research from the 1960s and 70s in his section on cybernetics, this is what he predicted for the year 2000. He said, this is John Stott, It is difficult to imagine the world in the year 2000 A.D., by which time the versatile microprocessors are likely to be as common as simple calculators are today. Isn't that interesting? 1982, I had a car phone. It was as big as half of the car. Then he continues, We should certainly welcome the fact that the silicon chip will transcend human brain power as the machine has transcended human um, muscle power. Much less welcome will be the probable reduction of human contact as the new electronic network renders personal relationships ever less necessary. In such a dehumanized society, the fellowship of the local church will become increasingly important whose members meet one another and talk and listen to one another in person rather than on screen. In this human context of mutual love, the speaking and the hearing of the Word of God is also likely to become more necessary for the preservation of our humanness, not less. Now, what was interesting about that to me, and I'm, not, I'm no longer reading, 
is, this is 1982. Now, I remember 1982. I wasn't saved yet, but I can't remember a whole lot. He was looking for the future. And, and I believe this was a word of warning for the church at that time, and certainly it's a word of warning to us. Fellowship, the church, the body of Christ remains uh, the single most important part of our daily walk with the Lord, uh, serving together with people um, that that we love, serving together with people who are right in the middle of God's will, wanting to do only what God's asked them to do, to be able to sit down and talk with somebody instead of texting them or instead of just looking at their face on a screen, having real fellowship. Now, I'm not a, a social media person. I think most of you know that. But the way people are bound by social media is astounding to me. Uh, people don't want to talk anymore. If you call somebody on a phone, they don't answer. If you text them, well, they'll get right back to you. And John Stott was warning us about this. Now, John Stott was not a prophet. But this is the gift of prophecy in action. And the church hasn't paid any attention to him. Now, this was a really, really well-known book for preachers. I think all of us are familiar with it. But it's, it's. Um, I mean, we really need to pay attention. When people are talking and the Spirit is moving, we need to be sensitive to that which is important to God. And I'm going to say something to you uh, in the audience that I say to the church here at Calvary Chapel all the time. It's people, people, people. People are the point. And when we get lost in technology, we become the point. And that is to miss the point altogether. So I just thought that was an interesting one to read it. So now let me get to questions. That's what you tuned in for. Here is a question from Randy. Uh, he said, Hi, Pastor Ron. What are your thoughts on Francis Chan, Tony Evans, and John MacArthur? Is it okay to listen to them? Now, Randy, it's okay to listen to anybody. So, um, you know, I'm not the, the, the governor, the final decision maker on who should be listened to. I'm not a fan at all of Francis Chan. Um, Francis Chan has said some things that are so far out of the mainstream that uh, I, I just don't think there's any value. His teaching style is like emotional on steroids. Um, and I, I just can't receive anything from Francis Chan. Uh, he might be the nicest guy in the world. I don't know. But uh, I, I personally wouldn't listen to Francis Chan. But you can. I don't believe he's a heretic. I, I just think you've got to be discerning. And um, keep Acts chapter 2 always in mind, especially beginning in verse 42, when you're listening to Francis Chan. Because he's trying to change the world of church. The world that Jesus set up, the way it's supposed to have been from the beginning and the way it's supposed to be now. And Francis Chan is trying to change that. Tony Evans, I, I adore Tony Evans. Um, I, I, I love listening to him. Uh, in fact, Paula and I do uh, listen to Tony Evans um, at 6.30 on Sunday mornings before we leave the house to come to church here. Uh, it's just sort of a date. Paula and I have been uh, having for, for some time. It's like we get a little bit of time to hear, hear the word. Uh, and I like Tony Evans in part, Randy, because he is 180 degrees different than I am. Uh, Paula and I laugh, you know, when he'll say some things. And I'll say, Paula, can you imagine me saying that? Can you imagine me talking like that? Or, and, and I just can't. So I admire his gifting. Uh, I admire his doctrinal positions. Uh, I, I don't think we're too far away. There are some things that I've noticed over the years uh, listening to, to Tony that um, I might find a little room to disagree with, but uh, I, I enjoy him. I, I appreciate the fact that his uh, ministry has been for like 40 years without hint of scandal. Um, um, his integrity uh, his reputation uh, is stellar, and um, uh, I think I think he's wonderful. I'll tell you one of the things, Randy, that that really um, endeared Tony Evans to me was um, um, with the passing of his wife. Um, I watched him go through her illness, and then when she went to be with Jesus, um, I watched him keep going uh, in spite of the unbelievable pain, um, the sadness. 
that, that occasionally you could tell was there. But here was a man who was committed to finishing his course well, and it appears, Randy, as though he is doing that very thing. So I'm a, I'm a Tony Evans fan. Uh, John MacArthur is, is a paradox for me. Um, um, John MacArthur has been uh, used of the Lord marvelously, uh, I still think, now I'm 31 years in the Lord, and this was in my first year of being a believer, but I think one of the most impactful messages I've ever heard in person was uh, John MacArthur uh, when he was uh, uh, teaching at Calvary Chapel, then in Ontario. Um, they had to rent a, a, a auditorium for him, and uh, the place was absolutely packed. He taught out of Isaiah chapter 5. And, and I thought it was spectacular. It, it was one of the most profoundly influential uh, Bible studies I've ever listened to in person. I still remember it to this day like it was just a week or so ago. Uh, so, so yeah, it's, it's certainly okay to listen to him. He has written a lot of books. Uh, his commentaries are excellent. Um, my departure from John MacArthur, actually twofold, is, is first that he is Reformed. He is a Calvinist. Um, and I think that's horrible. So um, I, I think if you can discern uh, when he starts talking about election or predestination, uh, he bends his own rules of interpretation to come to the conclusions that he makes. And uh, if, if you're grounded enough in the word to sort of dismiss the reformed position that he's coming from, then certainly it's okay to listen to him. And I have been blessed by uh, MacArthur uh, over the years many, many times. Um, the other um, difficulty I have with John MacArthur is just in the last few years, it sounds to me, Randy, like he's angry. It sounds to me like he's angry. And um, um, I just I think pastors have to be really, really careful. We're representing Jesus and anger is to misrepresent him. So I hope that makes sense to you. Let's go to Ruben from Seguin on Lane 1. Ruben, thanks for calling. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Um, uh, today I'm I'm calling uh, out of a uh, uh, I guess a broken spirit uh, a stomped on self-esteem um I went to a service last night. Well, I was invited to a service, and and I told them my name of transportation, and they said, uh, "Well, you know, we'll go to kill them." I said, "Okay." So, so I went. Of course, I was with my walker, and uh, uh, they asked me to sing a song, so I did. I got off stage. Um, this uh, prophet comes up there and starts preaching, and um, long story, he calls me out, and oh, before he calls me out, he says that people who have tattoos, piercings, and men, and who have tattoos and piercings, they're going to go to hell. And he said people who who are gluttony, uh, who are into gluttony, are going to hell. Then he calls me out. He goes, hey, you come here. And I'm like, okay. Go up there walking with my, my walker. And he says, you know, uh, what you're doing is a sin. And I just looked at him. I'm like, dude, how in the world can you call me out? I didn't know where he was going with this. I'm a big guy, Pastor. And it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, the past 10 years, that I haven't been able to do anything. I've gained a lot of weight. A lot of weight, man. And basically told me that the Lord does not appreciate me taking uh, advantage of my body and desecrating the temple of the Holy Ghost by putting the tattoos that I have on. And, and I wanted to punch him because my <laughs> my my flesh my flesh got up, and I'm like, dude, number one, you shouldn't call people out like this. Yeah, at all, at all. And in my, in me, I'm just thinking to myself, look, Ruben, just turn around, just walk away. Don't let him pray for you. Don't let him touch you. Just walk away. 
And so I walked away, and then he kept, he called me back, and then the guy went after me and started rebuking me. And you know what he did? He put his hands on my stomach, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that spirit of fat to come out. Mind you, this is in front of 200, maybe 300 people. By that point, I just looked at him, and I wanted to cry. I just wanted to cry, and I just walked out of the place. And then the people that brought me, they walked out with me, and they were like, Ruben, we didn't know he was going to do that. I said, you know what, can we just go, please? And yeah. number one, the reason I called was not to tell you about that, but I, I've read the Bible, as you know, and I don't remember seeing the word gluttony in the Bible and seeing that if a person indulges in gluttony is going to go to hell. Yeah. Ruben, I want you to listen really closely, okay? First, my heart is my heart breaks over stuff like this. And on behalf of our Lord Jesus, I want to apologize to you that in what is a professing Christian church, um, such a thing would happen that anybody could be treated as unkindly as you are, as you were last night. And what you've what you watched um, as a victim uh, was a demonstration of the the really really bad fruit of the flesh from Galatians chapter five, and there was nothing of the spirit. Now, uh, we've talked so many times, Reuben, that you could have protected yourself. You know that there's no such thing as a prophet in the church today. The prophets and the apostles were the foundation of the early church. Once laid for all, the church is being built on that foundation. And so uh, immediately when you're in a church that is hosting somebody who advertises himself as an apostle or as a prophet, you're in a false teaching church, period. It's a heretical church. And the fruit that you were the brunt of uh, last night, the bad fruit, proves it. Uh, and Jesus' heart hurts for you. Um, with everything you've been through, and there's no way, if this guy were really a prophet of God, he would have known. If this guy were really a prophet, he would have known what God has done in your heart over these last few years. Um, he would have known all the trouble that you've had and all of the difficulties that you've been through. And and if he had anything to say from the Lord, the Lord would have said, Reuben, I'm proud of you. And I love you. And I know you're trying. So you keep your eyes on me and walk with me and we'll continue to do big things. Now, uh, let me, I, I, I can't speak about this without addressing uh, being overweight or, or, or the, the, the sin of gluttony. Um, gluttony is mentioned in the King James Version of the Bible. Um, it's, it's something that isn't healthy for us. It's never healthy to be overweight. But as you indicated, it's the case for you. Uh, there are things you can't do. There's nothing you could have done in these last three years anyway that uh, we've we've been discussing your, your physical issues. Uh, there's nothing you could have done to get any uh, more fit than you are simply because physically uh, you're in such bad shape. And God has been with you through all of that. So here's what you need to do, Reuben. You need to uh, immediately dismiss anything that he said. Whatever impact or effect it had on you, um, he will pay for that from the Lord. Um, it, it frustrates me that Christians won't protect themselves by knowing the word. This man should never have an audience, whether it's two people or 200 people. And what he did to you was unkind, it was unloving, and unchristian. And I am sorry that you had to go through it. But now is the time simply to say, okay, Lord, I know that wasn't from you. That was a man being used by the enemy to discourage me. And uh, the enemy is going to keep taking his shots. And I think if Jesus were there with you, Reuben, he probably would have punched him. <laughs> he would have stopped him so very, very much. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 20, Reuben says, Be not among the wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of meat, uh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. And, of course, Proverbs, that's general rules for life. And and we don't make doctrine on it, But but if gluttony is a sin, 
like all other sins, it's covered by the blood of Jesus for those of us who know him. Now, should people be healthy? Yes, we should all get healthy. Um, but um, that kind of unkindness, Reuben, there is absolutely no excuse for. Reuben, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Thank you for letting me know. Oh, that's hard. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one is anonymous. Uh, Pastor Ron, in John 5, was it a myth that the people believed that an angel stirred up the waters and the first person that dipped in was healed? Um, thank you, Pastor Ron. Anonymous, I, I think it was probably just a legend. So myth or not, we're not really told. Uh, what's true is that the people really believed it. Um, um, I've seen it pictured as everything from just an occasional miracle that God did uh, to something that was actually uh, supernatural but demonic in the process. So we don't really know. Um, but here's what I do know, Anonymous, from John chapter 5. If you read that story correctly, then what you notice is all the people that were at that pool who were staring at the water, they missed the presence of God. They were there to get a miracle. And they missed the one who could do it because they were looking in the wrong place. So um, I'm, I'm certain it was a, uh, to use your word, a myth or a legend. Um, but, but in all likelihood, um, it certainly had nothing at all to do with God. It doesn't say that they were healed and they weren't only that people believed that the first person who was in was healed. Whenever our hope is in the wrong place, that's when we're going to find that we're going to be disappointed. So I hope that helps. Thanks a lot for the question. Here is a question from John from our email inbox. He says, Good afternoon, Pastor Ron. I am a pastor. Well, welcome, Pastor John. Have you ever had to counsel a pastor or ask him to sit down? How do you go about doing that? I have to do this in my church, but I want to seek advice from you. John, I have. Now, fortunately, I've been here for 27 years, and I've only had to ask one pastor um, to, to sit down or to, to, to remove himself. Um, and um, he, he did not respond well, and it was necessary to terminate him, um, terminate his employment. Uh, I was very patient. Uh, I, I'm of the, the belief that when uh, you're working with pastors in your church, um, the communication ought to be such that a pastor knows when he's in trouble and he shouldn't be surprised when that moment comes where you have to sit down and say, you're doing this, we've counseled you about this repeatedly and you haven't changed things, then um, th then now it's time for you to step away. And, and they shouldn't be surprised. And that was the case uh, for the pastor that I had to, to, to remove. Uh, but it's always a, a, a really painful and difficult thing. I operate under the theory that I can't fire people that God hired. They can disqualify themselves. And what I do is I let them disqualify themselves. So uh, typically when it comes time to do that, when you're in the position, John, that you're in, um, it should be as simple as uh, you know what we're here to talk about. We've talked about this repeatedly and, and you're at this place now where your behavior hasn't changed, your behavior continues to be divisive, or whatever the problem is. And now it's time for us to go our separate ways. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Um, and and um, um, I, I just think you do. It shouldn't be a surprise to him. Um, one other thing, John, that I do uh, with all of my pastors, and I've got a pretty good-sized staff here. We've got eight pastors and their wives. And, and I'll tell them at the very beginning, when we're talking about uh, them moving into pastoral ministry here at the church, I'll let them know that the minute their marriage starts to go south, they're going to step down. The minute that their wife is not on board, they're going to step down. Uh, the minute that their wife feels uh, neglected because of ministry, they're going to step down for a while. Now, it's not firing them. That's just letting them know that I expect all of the pastors not only just to be able to talk it, but they need to walk the walk. They need to be really living their lives for Jesus Christ. And uh, when when they do, there's no issues. But it's when the flesh gets involved. And I think, uh, I think let, me, let me give you one other piece of counsel. Uh, and, and I learned this the hard way. When it's time to set somebody down, do it quickly. 
don't wait and hope things get better. You know, we're, we're nice people. We don't want people to mess up. So uh, what we want to do is, is uh, hope and hope and hope that things get better. Uh, it usually doesn't. And a pastor that is making bad life choices, um, a pastor who's not in agreement with the vision of the church that God has given you, uh, that's a pastor that will cause division and he will actually do harm to the work that God is doing. So uh, I'm sorry you have to go through this, John. I'll actually be praying for you. Uh, these are really, really difficult things, and uh, it's something unfortunate that we all have to go through at one point or another. I have been so abundantly blessed by the Lord, and the men that I have, um, they know two things. One, they're representing Jesus always, and they're representing me always. And any time that that isn't true, then it's time to ask them to step down for a time, at least for a time, and maybe sometimes for permanent. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in our week, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program, 340-9585. Before going on, I've got to set the record straight. I made an error. I said we have nine pastors, I thought. And uh, my producer, who has a list for me, he counted, we have 10. Uh, we just uh, ordained our youth pastors uh, to add to go from 8 to 10. And then I'm about to add the 11th. We're about to ordain, um, I think when I get back from vacation, uh, sometime a little bit later this summer, uh, I'm going to be ordaining our Spanish language pastor. So... Um, um, that's that's the staff that we have here. And Pastor John, thank you for, for tuning in the program. And, and now you know you've got somebody praying for you and for whatever's going on in the church. Let's go to Cindy on line one from San Antonio. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I've been, I've been thinking about this question all week long. So there is a question in here, but I'm going to have to cover a little bit of real estate before I get to it. <laughs> so now okay. we've got <laughs> we've got all the people who have lived and died and believed in God before the flood. There had to have been a bunch of them, and then they got you know to where there wasn't anybody. But there has to be a pretty good amount of people. So we've got all those people. So we'll put those people in a basket. Now we go up to the people after the flood who have lived and died and believed in God up until the time that um, Jesus died and, and rose again. So we'll put them in a basket. Now we've got the people who have lived and died after Jesus rose again and believed, and then we we'll put them in a basket. Now we've got, fast forward, we've got everybody that goes up in the rapture. Now here, here's where my question came from. Is um, if there's a scripture here in Luke 22, uh, verse uh, 15 and 16. Jesus is with the disciples at the Passover before he's crucified. I have eagerly, eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, this is where my question happened. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Now, my question is, which basket of people are going to be at the <laughs> wedding feast? Um, I was wondering if this is a reference to the wedding feast, and if the disciples will be, if all the people who died after his resurrection, or is it just the people who get uh, get raptured? So that's what's been running around in my brain all this week. So I'll get off the phone and, and listen to your answer. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Cindy. She says, it sounds like I'm surprised when she says she's been thinking that's what she does. Um, Cindy, you've got too many baskets. Okay, there's only two real baskets, believer and unbeliever. Now, 
all of the believers before the cross, before the resurrection, all of the believers went to the place called paradise. And Jesus, upon his death um, and prior to his resurrection, he descended into the lower parts of the earth and set them free. He took them to heaven to be with him. His death was what cleansed their sin and enabled them to come to heaven. So that's the only basket that Jesus has. Now, for those of us who are alive now and will be raptured when Jesus comes, we immediately, in our glorified physical resurrected bodies, we go into the presence of the Lord. And that's with him in heaven. Um, Paul describes the third heaven in Second Corinthians chapter 12. So we go to be with him in heaven. Uh, the people who lived in the world and did not believe, who did not uh, worship God, uh, they are still in a place in the center of the earth, Luke chapter 16, across a gulch from paradise. And they are still in that place being tormented night and day uh, until the great white throne judgment, which we know doesn't happen until the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth. So just two baskets, believer and unbeliever. Um, but but all the people who believed uh, prior to Jesus, they're already with them. We will join them one day soon. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it. Let's go to line two and talk with Jennifer from San Antonio. Jennifer, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I just wanted to respond to Reuben. I've had... I have two mental illnesses in my life, and people, Christians can be pretty um, harsh when they correct other people. And one of my friends, when I was struggling with suicidal thoughts, said to me, well, you're just being selfish. And if you don't get your way, you just want to kill yourself. You're just, you're just being selfish. And it really hurt, because that was from one of my close friends. But... Growing with the Lord and growing up, I just had to learn to ignore certain people when they say things That's like right. that. It's hard because they don't know what they're saying. But um, sometimes Christians can be pretty bad in what they, their advice they give. So we just have to uh, love them as who they are know that, okay, maybe I don't go to that person for advice. I'd like to also thank you for... <laughs> Uh, making me feel accepted because I've been diagnosed. I take medication, and I don't agree with the Christians who run around saying, well, just throw your medicine away. It's your fault. You need to pray more. You're not doing something right. And that I can't help a chemical imbalance. So yeah. I was thinking about Ruben, and I, you know, will pray for him. Yeah, it's it's Jennifer. It's it, two things. One, I, I praise God that that He's helped you, and and if it's taken medication, do it. God bless you for being faithful and doing everything that you can do to make sure that you're able to represent the Lord. So we're grateful that that you've been spared. Um, but the other thing, it sounds like your friend is like one of Job's friends in in the in the oldest book in our Bible, and you're you're right. We got to learn. Uh, who to ask for counsel, and who to avoid. And people like that are to be avoided at all costs. The second thing is that that there, there's a different dynamic when it's somebody who's represented as a man of God. Um, when somebody is presented to a church as a prophet, and he is saying, thus saith the Lord, and he's trying to do it with all the authority of heaven, uh, there's a different dynamic. And and it's so demonic, and the enemy is there, and it's the enemy who twists and turns all that in Reuben. Reuben is tough enough. He he's been through so much, he's pretty tough. But you put him in a in a in a church environment like that, and um, and the enemy is going to pound, and that's exactly what happened. Um, we've got to toughen up. You're you're exactly right. We've got to be tougher, and remember that no matter how misguided they may be. That it's certainly something um, that um, that that Jesus will will care for us and take care of us uh, when people abuse us. So thank you, Jennifer, and I'm really blessed that you're doing well. Thank you. Let's go to Joel on line three from San Antonio. Joel, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor. I'm sorry I couldn't have been there last night. I had a cold. And oh, that's okay, right Joel. Now, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And right now we're in 
in uh, Corpus Christi, so we won't be there this weekend. But I got a quick, a couple of questions. Uh, did the did Jesus receive the Holy Spirit inside him when the dove came down? Um, well, no. Yeah, yeah. Joel, no, he didn't receive the Holy Spirit. That was sort of an enunciation. It was the christening of his ministry on earth. Jesus was waiting for the right time to begin. And when he walked into the water, came up out of the water, and the Spirit came down on him in the form of a dove, that was just everything that he needed to walk um, in obedience to his Father in heaven for the next three and a half or so years uh, on earth. So he didn't receive the Spirit. Remember, Jesus is God. He was right. without sin. Um, but but the Holy Spirit uh, came upon him in power to give him a direct connection to heaven. So Jesus could say, I only do what I see my Father do, and I only say what I hear my Father say. So it was the Holy Spirit that led him instantly into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And then we also have the assurance that every step that he took from that point forward was uh, instructed by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Uh, I think that makes okay. more sense to my to, to the two others that are here. Okay, real quick. Also, did uh, when someone's in prayer and really with God and doing the Word and everything, and and the Spirit can can the can the personal Spirit go to heaven and then remember what that that is what was in heaven. Well, um, I guess, yes, there's biblical precedence for somebody going to heaven. Uh, the Apostle Paul, we know, went to heaven. Um, we know others had visions of heaven, but Paul actually went there. So there is biblical precedent for that. Now, here's the problem. The people that claim to have been to heaven, Joel, are people now who come back and tell everybody what they saw. And Paul said, I saw things there that man is not permitted to tell. And without exception, Joel, the, the, the people that say they've been to heaven and they're telling all their stories and selling books, uh, those are not real stories. Those are made-up stories. They've been deceived or they are deceivers, and only God knows which. But um, um, th there is precedent for a human to go to heaven. Um, and, and the Apostle Paul, when he came back, he said, well, I can't tell you what happened because God said I can't. Um, so I think that's the way to tell. So thank you, Joel. Appreciate the question and have a good time in Corpus Christi, you and Marion and the family. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions or toll free eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. Here's a question from Jared from our email inbox. Hi Pastor Ron, is there church discipline in your church, and what does that look like for any church? My church is a reformed church. I messed up one time, and they mandated me to sit in the front row for six months. And I had to do weekly check-ins with them. Now, Jared, I'm going to say a couple of things. First, I don't know what your mess-up was. Um, I, 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 I can't make an informed uh, explanation here uh, without knowing uh, what your mess-up was. Um, you know, if, if there was somebody uh, who was cheating on his wife, um, then we would want to keep eyes on them. Yes, we do have church discipline. However, um, to, to mandate for somebody to sit in the front row, the only person with a mandate has to sit in the front row at this church is Paula. And, and I have a very specific reason for that. But um, uh, we don't have the right to tell people where to sit, nor that they have to check in with us. Our job is to give them the path to move forward. You know, church discipline is supposed to be restorative not punitive. And here's what's happened in this church. Um, they they want to babysit you. And uh, that's not their, their position. Uh, one of the things that is typical in a lot of Reformed churches, their covenant, they call themselves covenant churches, and they'll have people sign a covenant 
agreement that allows the church to discipline them and to set out rules for this. No one should ever sign one of those things. And a church that has those kind of covenants is missing the whole point of what discipline you who are spiritual should restore such a one gently, Paul writes. And, and they're trying to embarrass you uh, or, or, um, or I'm, I'm, I give them the benefit of the doubt. Their heart may be in the right place. But that's just not the way to do it. One of the things that we forget, Jared, in churches is that um, our responsibility is to teach people to walk in and, and, and thrive in the freedom that God gives. Not by limiting their freedom, not by keeping such a close eye on them or telling them you've got to check in with us. None of that matters. That's not good or healthy or restorative church discipline. And, and in all likelihood, it is a function of uh, their bylaws and a Reformed Church and a membership agreement that you signed. Remember, we shouldn't be signing these membership agreements. There's no benefit for you. I don't know what the benefit is for the church, unless they just like control. But, but this is the kind of stuff that makes no sense. And the only last thing I'll say about this, Jared, is this. Um... Why are you in a Reformed church? That's a question you really need to consider, especially in view of the way they've treated you. Um, Sitting in the front row for six months, I don't know what I would do. Paula's been sitting in the front row for 27 years, so um, she hasn't rebelled against me yet. But I'd just be really, really careful, Jared, of of, uh, situations like that. Okay, let's see what we've got here. We've got a question coming from, uh, it's anonymous. Uh, It says, my friend says he doesn't share his faith, and I assume she means with other, he means with others, because faith is a private manner. I told him that was wrong. Am I right? Yes, anonymous, you're right. Faith is not a private matter. Now, obviously, we're all going to stand before God on the basis of the choices that we made, but we are commanded to share our faith. We're commanded to tell people about Jesus. And this is always the cop-out. This is the person who's lukewarm for Jesus and doesn't want to feel um, um, like he or she is offending anybody. Um, they're, they're concerned typically about what other people think. And uh, so it's just easier just to say nothing at all. But remember, our light is supposed to shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. When our light is shining, people are going to ask us about our faith. Um, be prepared to give an answer for everyone, for the hope that we have within us, we're told by Paul. So, yeah, these are these are things that I've uh, the, the, the Lord has really been speaking to our church here about Anonymous. Um, if you're not sharing your faith, then you don't really get it. You don't understand the value of your faith. And uh, people that play the, well, religion is a private matter, um, when they play that card, they're just demonstrating that they don't really care enough about what Jesus says to do or how he says to do it. So tell your friend, uh, as you have already, you need to share your faith. And um, if you spend some time with your friend, you show them how to do it. I know that always freaks people out. Well, well, what if I don't know the right thing to say? Trust God. You take the step of obedience. You care about somebody. And the Lord will give you the words that you need to say. So share your faith. Um, Philemon, the, the sixth verse, verse, Paul writing to Philemon says, I pray that you will be active in sharing your faith. The word is energis, or the word we get our English word energy from. So spend your energy, literally, sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. So you tell your friend, he or she is wrong, and you're right, and you just let them know because you care about them, you're going to keep encouraging them to share their faith. Most of the time you'll find that there's some things that that person's holding on to, a little sin in their life maybe, maybe they just don't want to be so committed or so radical in their faith. Jesus said, If you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you in the presence of God's holy angels in the kingdom of heaven. So um, you keep telling me you're on the right track. 
Here is a question about Ben. I've been asked this question a lot of time over the years. Ben says, what is your opinion about Simon the Sorcerer? Was he saved or not? Um, Without question, he was not saved. When I said I've been asked this question a lot of times over the years, it's because it said Simon himself believed. Philip was doing miracles, and Philip was laying hands on people, and the Holy Spirit was falling upon them. Uh, or, or Peter and John would later come, and the, and the Spirit would fall upon them. And and Simon, who had the people bewitched, um, he was known as the great power from God uh, in Samaria, and he was a magician, uh, a, a deceiver. And he knows, or when he sees the miracles Philip is doing, and he sees Peter and John laying hands on people, he knows that's real. The people that fake it, they're the ones who can best identify the real. And he did, and it said he believed. Now, what he believed wasn't in the message, wasn't in Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. What he believed was that the power was real. Unlike his, the power was real. Now, the way we can, I can say Ben with, without question that he wasn't saved is because Peter when he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, discerned that P, that Simon's heart wasn't right, he said to him, may your money, and I'm going to be literal here, may your money go to hell with you. That's what he said. You do not have in, the things, in mind the things of God. You have no part or share with us. And, and it's because his heart was in the wrong place. So Ben, Simon was not saved. In fact, if you know your church history a little bit, he was a pretty significant figure uh, in his opposition to the early church in the first century uh, and and pursued um, um, becoming famous and rich on his own. Uh, but he was not a good guy at all. His heart revealed who he really was. Okay, I don't know if I have time for... Okay, five minutes, so I, I, I was going to give the phone numbers out, but I don't need to know. Devin says, Pastor Ron, why do you say that a husband and a wife cannot both be pastors? I think it shows real strength in marriage. Well, it may show real strength in marriage, but it's strength in um, uh, disobedience. It, it shows unity, maybe, but it's unity in disobedience. The reason a wife and a husband cannot be pastors is because the church belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to them. And Jesus says through the Apostle Paul, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man in the church. And the context of Second Timothy chapter 2 is order in the church. Now, it can't be any more clear than that, Devin. I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man in the church. And by giving a woman the title of pastor, you're putting her in a position of authority Uh, in contradistinction to what the Word declares. So it's very, very important. And when you said you think it shows real strength in a marriage, um, I don't think you can have real strength in anything, in a marriage or individual relationship with God or anything, when it's based on disobedience. Um, the, the, The pastor must be the husband of one wife. Then say the wife of one husband. And I know, especially in these young uh, hipster-type churches that are popping up all over, um, you know, Hillsong, and they've been in all kinds of trouble. Uh, and there are other church groups like that where they send a husband and a wife out, they're co-pastors, and, and the churches are, they have no foundation. So I don't say it, Devin. Jesus does. His Word does. And anybody who um, has a position that is in disagreement with that is arguing with Jesus themselves. So I hope that helps. Last question for the day. This one is from Jeff. Hi, Pastor Ron. What are your thoughts about churches and street preachers rebuking people at uh, clubs or Planned Parenthood by opposing abortions? Jeff, I'm never for carnal behavior, uh, no matter how noble the cause. So uh, when we're rebuking people at clubs, um, you know, sharing Jesus isn't rebuking people at all. Sharing Jesus is sharing the glorious truth of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. Um, the same thing is true uh, outside an abortion clinic. Um, I, I don't think anybody is any more outspoken than I am against abortion. It is evil. It is murder. Um, but remember, um, that's the way the world thinks. 
And we can expect them to think like we do. So what we do is share Jesus. Same thing is true with uh, LGBTQ uh, people that we come into contact with. We, we, we talk about the sin instead of talking about Jesus. So, Jeff, I, I just don't think churches ought to raise their voices. I don't think there's any room for shouting. I don't think there's any room in evangelizing for rebuking anybody. And it's very ineffective, and frankly, it misrepresents the Lord. And I think we embarrass him when we do those things. So I think, Jeff, that's um, um, something that we really need to avoid. Uh, We have street witnessing team here at Calvary Chapel, and one of the things that they heard from me for the very first day out is, is don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me. I don't want to see any videos of you or social media shots of you yelling at people um, or screaming at them or, or pointing fingers in their faces. Remember, we carry a club of love and we're supposed to let the Holy Spirit do the head knock. And our job is simply to declare Jesus Christ. And Jeff, and, and uh, how we, we, we've lost our way. So many of us, we've simply lost our way. So I hope that makes sense to you, Jeff. Avoid it. Remember, kindness goes a long way. In fact, Romans says it is God's kindness that leads to repentance. Thanks very much for the question and for the calls today. Hey, have a great weekend. You're going to go to church. You're going to find some opportunity to pray for somebody, pray with somebody. You're going to have a chance to let somebody know how much God loves them. Uh, Have a wonderful weekend in church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.